morning. It's an exciting time to be here. I assume that since you uh, came back today that you weren't completely turned off by the word of God last week as it pertained to um, how a wife lives in submission to the Lord. And uh, I won't assume the worst if you're not here today and watching on the live stream or whatever. I won't assume the worst. Today we're going to be moving along to the role and responsibility of the husband. I want to just let you know before we go on that just as it was for the wife, it is for the husband. We will not completely cover every detail, every aspect of uh, godly submission uh, or godly headship today. Um, There are other verses and chapters in the Bible, like Ephesians 5 would have been one of those. Uh, (laughs) Um, but there are other chapters and other verses in the Bible that uh, give us a larger and broader description of uh, how a wife should respond to her husband and how husband uh, should respond to his wife in a, in a godly manner. So if you feel like there's something missing from yesterday or last week or today, uh, it's because this is a part of a whole. And so uh, I would challenge you to Go and spend more time uh, researching if, or, or look, and as, as with any sermon, uh, don't just take my word for it. Um, to this morning before we begin in 1 Peter 3, 7, uh, let's pray and ask God to meet with us today. Father God, Lord, your word is true. Uh, it is living, it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it's uh, believable. Uh, because it's true, but also just because it makes the most sense in how we deal with and understand the world today. If we look at you and we trust you and we follow you, your word gives us the clearest picture of why the world is the way it is and the answers for uh, the problem of man. Not just our salvific problem, which comes through Jesus Christ, but also... um, the, the problems with just existing day by day. Lord, you give us a model, you give us a pattern to follow. Uh, you give us people uh, throughout time who have lived, successfully lived Christian lives following you. And then, Lord, you uh, expect that of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to cherish your word, not just understand it, not just follow it, but to cherish it, to love it. Help us to cherish it to the point of application, Lord, and really to accept nothing less than what your word says. We love you. We praise you. uh, We ask that you would just bless this time today and help us to be changed by your word today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we have been describing how Christians should respond in imperfect circumstances. Uh, From the government uh, being uh, unjust to our bosses to even the example of Jesus Christ where when he was reviled, when he, when deceit was spoken about him, he did not turn the table and, and, you know, sort of expose all of the people who uh, crucified him. But instead, uh, like a lamb being sent to the slaughter, he, he died. He died for us. He set this example for us to follow. Last week we discussed another area where uh, there might be some injustice, there might be some inequity, and that was a Christian, how a Christian wife should respond specifically to an unbelieving husband. What we found was in those passages was general good news for all wives everywhere, even though the topic was specifically talking about how a wife responds to her unbelieving husband. We discussed the redeeming quality of a submissive, biblically submissive wife. The first thing we saw about that was that her husband might be saved. One of the redeeming qualities of a biblically submissive wife is that her husband might be redeemed. Her husband might be saved. Now, this by her actions specifically. Uh, And it's important to note that uh, asking a lady asking a, a wife specifically to live a life 
by her actions and not by her words is not a request to be some sort of uh, Stepford wife type thing. It's not, if you know, if you know what that is, it's not a request to be some completely quiet, uh, unopinionated uh, um, robot, mindless robot. What it is, though, is a request to allow prayer and holy living lead and be prominent in the way that you reach your husband. Holy living, holy living, be prominent. Prayer, be prominent. And so what Peter was saying is, is that while you're not supposed to be mindless, while you're not supposed to just just be this... A person without a personality or anything like that, wives are, in order to submit to their husband in a godly way, are to lead in their family in prayer and holy living. He will be much more affected by your actions often than he will your words. Um, So the redeeming quality would be the redeeming quality of the husband, but also Peter finishes last week by talking about the redeeming quality of the wife. He says, if you do these things, you are a child of the promise. You are a child of Sarah, a child of Abraham. Ladies, it is imperative that we understand, that you understand your role as uh, not only a child of God, but a wife, a mother, a friend, it is imperative that you understand that because if we understand that, we walk in the same faith principles as that great cloud of witness, great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. If we don't understand it, it does not always mean that we are not of the same faith family. But it does mean at least at a minimum that there is a level of immaturity and unwillingness to submit to the Lord. Now this applies to everybody across the board. There is a a level of unwillingness to submit to the Lord. And or in worst case scenario, there is an unregenerate heart who is deceived into believing that they are saved and they are not. The Bible calls for biblical submission of a wife to her husband as the spiritual authority of the house. This in no way makes a wife unequal or less than, but just different. Just different. We're all different, and we should own up to and follow the roles that we are given. To act as as if there is no difference between men and women is ignoring basic science and, and really just reality. The reason I married my wife is because she is not a man. That, I mean, that was among, among many reasons. Okay? It, that was not the only reason. She's got a lot of redeeming qualities. But one of the reasons I married my wife is because she is not a man. And one of the reasons that she married me is because I am not a woman. We must accept that human, what humanity has accepted for the last uh, since creation as opposed to what has been mainstreamed over the last 50 or 60 years. But more importantly, we must accept what God's word has given us, regardless of our feelings, what culture shifts to, or what we tell ourselves is right. While Peter spends time discussing how a wife responds to her husband, uh, he doesn't leave this thought one-sided. So today, we're going to spend... Uh, time discussing how a husband should, in a godly way, respond to his wife. Remember, this is not sort of an exhaustive sermon on a husband's treatment of his wife, like last week wasn't of a wife to her husband. So there will be some key details that I will leave out today uh, because it's not in the text, and we're just going to go with what the text says. Um, so First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. It is interesting that Peter uses six verses to describe the role of a woman and then one 
to describe what a godly husband should do. Uh, but I think it's interesting for reasons that uh, egotistical, sexist men might not think. Uh, the reason that most likely that there is one verse for men and six verses for women is because men would not have to deal with the same sort of persecu persecuting behavior as women would. And so it was necessary that women would get more instruction on how to deal with men who at that time and for much of history have seen them as possessions. It was much more necessary to spend more time helping women respond in a godly manner than men who, if their wives were unbelieving, would not have to deal with the same behavior from them as a wife would from her husband. Remember the culture counted women as possessions. Women would have to deal with an unbelieving husband if a man wanted to in that time, if his wife were unbelieving or she changed religions, the man could just kill her. So he didn't really have to deal with, that's probably part of the reason why there is not as much instruction. In general, Christian men must see their wives like the Bible describes them. We don't live that way anymore. We must see our wives as co-equals. Now, in many ways, our culture has devolved, but this is one of the ways I think our culture has gotten, has improved, is that women are seen in our culture and have been for a while as equal. And I think that's right. I think that is a biblical principle. And I don't think that only the last 50 or 60 years have gotten that. I think that there have always been pockets of believers throughout history who have taken... It is, it is a testimony of our lives that there have been pockets of believers throughout history who have taken the word of God as it was written and have obeyed the word of God in this way. I would believe, I believe honestly, uh, and I think that there's historical evidence to back this up, that Christians have been constantly leading in the equality of personhood in general. It is probably the reason it prevailed in the culture is because Christianity is never the prevailing cultural thought, right? Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few will find it. But wide is the path that leads to death. Husbands must see their wives, and I think this is foundational to getting the rest of it right. Husbands must see their wives as equal, as partners. While I have a great deal of respect for the women and the men in this room, as it pertains to how we honor God in our marriages, it would be, a, it would be silly to assume that these passages do not apply to us and we don't have room for improvement. The goal of every wife should be to find new ways and surrender to the obvious ones of submitting to their husbands while keeping their own identity, while keeping their own personhood. And husbands should find new ways and keeping with the commands of God that they already know in loving and to, to loving and cherishing his wife while still maintaining a healthy and biblical spiritual authority. I will say this again to both husbands and wives. Am I willing to read and listen to what God says? To see it as it is written, and am I willing to obey those commands regardless of my feelings and desires? Remember, it's a natural thing for your mind and actions to go against what God has prescribed as it pertains to holy living. Remember, it is natural even for you to assume that the mindset that you have about what God has spoken on that was a lot of uh, words in there. The mindset that you have is right, even if it is counter what God has spoken on. Even if our very nature tells us that we are right, 
We must do the things, we must follow and obey the way that God has spoken. We must not skew the words that he has said. We must not dumb them down. We must not follow our nature. Friends, I want to tell you, it is natural natural to go with the culture as it pertains to the husband and wife relationship. But it is supernatural to obey the word of God when everything in the culture says otherwise. When everything in your heart says otherwise. Holiness is a supernatural act of the spirit of God causing you to do what is against your nature and causing you to do what is called and and required by God. While we should be who we are, while we should never lose completely ourselves and our spouse or our children or anything else, Christ died to kill the parts of us that are counter to his will and counter to his plan for marriage. And then he asks us to crucify ourselves daily unto those things. With that said, I want to list and explain to you what I believe are the honorable works of a godly husband. The honorable works of a godly husband. Men, men I want to challenge you today and every day as to just how important your role is in marriage. That goes for men who are married with kids, that goes for men who are married without kids, and that goes for men who will be married one day. I say it this way, how important your role is, not in opposition to the importance of the role of a wife, but I honestly believe that women generally more naturally understand how important their role is in a healthy marriage. They understand how important their role is as a wife, mostly. They understand how important their role is as a mother. I believe women naturally, biologically, get a more immediate parental uh, instinct that men have to work to usually develop. While our instincts, men typically are on protecting and providing, women tend to lead towards security for her family and Stability. Men, the role you play in your marriage and the work you must put in to get there is maybe larger than you might think. Not only for the impact on the why on your wives, but also on your sons and daughters. Your sons will be the type of husband, father, and friend that you are. And your daughters will eventually marry the type of husband that and father and friend that you are. Or they will marry someone who fills the roles, whether good or bad, that you were unable to fill. I know that it's a prevailing joke about uh, cleaning our guns on our daughter's first date. I tell people, I tell people that I'm going to have 12-gauge shotgun shells. And every guy that comes to my house will have to sign a 12-gauge shotgun shell. So he knows that if he makes a mistake, his name's on it, and it's already written. So that what is meant to be is meant to be. But while I think that's cute, you're right. You're right. While I think that's cute, and I think it's funny, and I probably will do it just for the humor in it, don't you think it would be better to arm our daughters against people that they might fall in love with that would harm them instead of arming our guns when they come around? Don't you think it would be better to give our daughters a great example of what a husband is, of what a father is, of what a dad is, of what a friend is? Don't you think it would be, be better to arm them now than to arm ourselves later? So for the sake of our wives, for the sake of our children... We want to look at some honorable works of a godly husband. The first thing I want you to see from this passage is his godly submission. His godly submission. It says in verse 7, the Bible says, Likewise, husbands. Likewise, husbands. What does likewise mean? In the same way, 
Husbands, you are called to be submissive. First, you are called to be submissive to the Lord. Peter says that in the same way. That is in the same way that the wives su submit. And that is unto the Lord or as unto the Lord. Husbands, you are to submit to your marriage. You are submit to submit to your wife in a way as you are doing it unto the Lord. His Godly submission. The husband loves and cherishes his wife as unto the Lord. In the same way a wife shows consideration to an unbelieving husband, the husband is to do the same to his unbelieving wife. A husband submits himself to the Lord, which is ultimately submission to life forever with his wife. It is important to note that the word used for submission of the wife to the husband is a one-way street. While the husband is to submit to the marriage, the husband is to submit his time and energy and focus to the commitment that he has made, the husband does not submit to the wife in the same way that the wife submits to the husband. The husband and only the husband is the spiritual head of the house. But he is called to submit to, his, to the relationship. He is called to submit to the commitment as unto the Lord. How does he do that? How does he do that? He does that first by giving his life and relationship to Christ. By giving his life and relationship to Christ. Friends, I want you to know, husbands, this is vastly important. Because you are the spiritual conduit of your house. Where electricity flows, where water flows, if there is any spiritual flow in your house, it happens because you are running it through your house. You need to know that Christ must be preeminent with your, in your relationship with your wife. He must be preeminent in the way that you train and raise up your children or, he ha or is at it is as if he has very little to no place at all. Christ cannot be secondary to sports. He cannot be secondary to leisure. He cannot be secondary to friendship. He cannot be secondary to rest. He must be preeminent. He must be first. And as the conduit of your family, when Christ flows first in your relationship, it is natural that the overflow of your heart and your spirit runs through your family. A husband submits the relationship by giving his life and relationship to Christ. A husband submits to the relationship by giving the best of himself to his wife and not to other things. Man, I want to tell you, after you give the best of yourself to God, you give the best of yourself to your wife. And, I, and as I'm saying this, uh, my wife is not shaking her head, which makes me feel good. She's probably just doing it mentally. But, um, but as I'm saying this, I'm looking at myself in a mirror. This is not you do this, this is we do this. We give the best of ourselves to our wife. I'm telling you, I may be the only man in this room that feels this way, but I don't think so. My inclinations are to, my inclinations are to run, not from my marriage, but just to find uh, respite somewhere. My inclinations are to fill my time with things outside of my duties. But in order to submit to my marriage, to my commitment, it was me, after all, who chose to make a commitment. I, a gun was not held to my head. No one forced me to do it. Not only do I make Christ preeminent, but I make my wife preeminent after Christ. I think in many ways your wife should be your best friend. 
But not only that, it should be your buddy. Like, you know, there's a difference between a friend and a buddy, right? Like a friend is somebody you go to, you talk to about serious things, and you, and you work through those things. But a wife, I mean, but a buddy is somebody you like, like you can give the side eye to when somebody says something funny. It's, it's somebody that like, some, it's someone who, when someone says something and you know it, what you're thinking shouldn't be spoken out loud, you know your wife is already thinking that or your buddy is already thinking that. Men, we cannot fill our lives. While I'm not speaking of a complete uh, abolition, is not the, that's too strong of a word for what I'm saying, but of your personal activities, the greater percentage of our lives should be filled with our marriage and our wives. As a matter of fact, I think, and I, don't, I fail at this at times, but I think that your goal as a worker should be to work not to get more, but should be to work to get home. Our goal in gaining money should not be to live a larger lifestyle, which I, I fail at this all the time. Our goal at gaining money, gaining uh job titles or whatever should be so that we can be home, get home. How does he submit to the relationship by giving his life and relationship to Christ, by giving the best of himself to his wife and not to work or leisure? By, and then thirdly, by being, this is not up here, but these are just thoughts. They're not like, they're from the Bible, but they're not biblical in word, I guess, by being a Christian husband and father in that order. Men, you're first a Christian, you're second a husband, and then you're a father. Your kids should never take permanent priority over your wives. Your kids should never take permanent stature over your wives. You are one flesh with your wives. Wives, you are one flesh with your husband. And the tendency is for parents, at least in modern times, to put so much emphasis on their children that they lose each other. Your children are a part of your house. They are not the kings and queens of your house. Your children are a part of your love. They are not your primary love. I tell my children all the time, if you ask Emmeline right now, I tell my children all the time, who's my favorite? Who do I love more than anybody in our house? Well, she'll say Jesus. She just said Jesus. Who's after Jesus, Emmeline? Putting you on the spot here. She'll say, Mommy, then us. And I don't always live that out, but I want them to know that they are a close, close, but still third, close third. I'm a Christian first, I'm a husband second, and I'm a father third. And while that order gets skewed at times, there will be times where my duties as a Christian will prevail over my duties as a father and husband. There will be times where my duties as a husband will prevail over the other two. And there will be times as my duties as a father will prevail over the other two. But they should never be permanently out of that order. His godly submission. His emotional intelligence. He says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. His emotional intelligence. This is also translated, live according to the knowledge. This is any knowledge that would be beneficial to the husband and wife relationship. Like gaining a greater understanding of what your role is as a husband. Men not only need to understand that they are the biblical headship, that they are the biblical authority of the house, but they also need to understand what that looks like. 
There's a difference between biblical headship and dictatorship. Emotional intelligence is trying to understand your wife's desires and aspirations. Trying to understand her as a female and not just giving up because you're not a female. Learning her goals, learning her aspirations, and making goals together in order to be on the same team. Men and women, you don't have to marry. You don't have to marry. But if you choose to marry, you are choosing to give up singular aspirations that cannot be melded into the aspirations of you and your spouse. This emotional intelligence only comes from dedicating time with the Lord to pr in prayer and reading and studying the Bible. It comes by a commitment to your church where you, you view and learn from other men, other women who have led, who have followed in their households. This sort of emotional intelligence only comes from dedicated and personal time with your wife. This means that you need to do better at studying your wives and not just in a physical way. This means you need to study your wife instead of the phone. I'll pray and ask for forgiveness later. This means you need to pray, this means you need to study your wife instead of studying a show, even if it's together. I'm not saying you need to cut out TV together because I think some of, our, some of the best times our, my, I've had with my wife is just watching a show that we both like together. But I am saying there isn't much gaining of knowledge by sitting and watching a TV show together. And so while it can be and maybe should be something that you do together, it should not take prominence in the amount of time that you spend with each other. And this is hard. If you have children, this is hard. If, you're, if, you're, if you don't have children, this is hard, but especially if you have children. Because by the time you get them to be quiet and go to bed, you don't have the energy at times. And so you have to make time. You can't just allow it to be right before you go to bed. You have to make date nights. You have to make date lunches. You, you know, Anna and I, before we had as many kids as we have, we would go to Lowe's or Home Depot and just walk around. Not Walmart. That may be something y'all do, but Lowe's or Home Depot was a thing. We have to dedicate specific and intentional time, men. Don't wait for your wife to do this. Your wife still wants to be wooed. She still wants to be pursued. We have to dedicate time where we focus on her. This precious jewel. This stone that, she is, that we have been given as our great gift. This means we all have to do better at studying our wives. We honor God when we take the hints and the clues from our wives instead of avoiding them. When we take the time to study them to the sacrifice of other hobbies and activities. Again, this doesn't mean you have to give up all your personal time, but that your personal time can bleed over so heavily into time that could be spent with your wife that you are missing opportunities to know her and grow in your relationship with her. This works both ways, but again, remember, I'm speaking to husbands specifically today. He is honorable because of his godly submission, because of his emotional intelligence, but also his gentle spirit, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. I tried to say this last week, but men, you should be controlled monsters. You should be willing to fight and defend your wife and your family and others. This could be physical defense. It might have to be physical defense. But most oftenly and most commonly, it is being a spiritual warrior. You should be honorable to stand up for what is right. To use your emotional and physical strength for good. In the book of the five rings, the author wrote, It is better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Men are seen as untamable, which is actually 
uh, an attractive quality for many women. They have a goal to tame men and to see them settle down. The problem is men don't typically tame or settle down very easily without some outside force acting upon them. So women end up being with untamable men. Godly women should never seek to control men and godly men should never should be tameable. Spiritual warriors should allow the gospel to tame them. While keeping a brave heart, they should have a gentle spirit. With this gentle spirit, we show honor to our wives. Why should we have a gentle spirit? Peter says that your wife is a weaker vessel. And if the passage on submission didn't get you last week, then Peter calling women weaker vessels should get you right there. Husbands should work to develop a tamed and gentle spirit because their wives are weaker vessels. What does that mean? What does weaker vessels mean? First, it means this. Women are generally physically more weak than men. That's obvious. That's just the way it is. Now, this is not something that is hard to grasp. It is something that you might not like to think of yourself. But men are generally more physically stronger than women. Uh, it's as uh, an ironic thing of this sort of what started from the feminist movement. The transsexual in sports movement has proven that over and over again. Men come, men act like women, play in women's sports, and dominate the women. Women act like men and play in men's sports, and they go to last place. This is not something to be embarrassed of. It does not make you less than. Men are physically stronger than women. You may not raise your son, generally speaking, you may not raise your sons to do this, but I'm going to raise my sons to be this way. I'm going to raise my sons to open doors. I'm going to raise my sons to lift heavy things instead of watching a woman do it. I'm going to raise them to open jars and sometimes tighten them a little bit too much so the women know how important they are. To move, to move their wives to the inside of the sidewalk as they're walking down the street. I'm going to raise my sons to do those things. I'm going to raise my sons to walk in front of when necessary and behind when necessary. To defend their wives ruthlessly if necessary. I'm going to raise my sons to be warriors to defend women, other men, and weaker vessels. It may not be the way you want to raise your sons, but I'm going to raise my sons to be willing to fight, to have loaded guns, but not aimed guns. Women are physically more weak than men. And so Peter knows, and all of science has proven this throughout history, that it would be necessary for men, in order to have a gentle spirit, to defend, to be kind, and to do it in a way that is acceptable, uh, women. To defend, to be kind, to do it in a way that's acceptable, to be defenders of women. This, this, would this can be taken uh, as a clip and could probably, someone would probably use it to try to make me look bad, but I don't care. And I'm sorry if you're a lady here that has served in the military, but I think it's a sign of a depraved nation that sends its women to war. And if there's ever a draft, and if there's ever a selective service for my daughters, they will not be joining. And I will be, we will be dissenters in that. Women are generally physically weaker than men. What, why, how else are women weaker vessels? Women are generally more emotionally sensitive. Now, wait a second. We're all going to be on the same page after this. While emotional sensitivity and openness uh, is often seen as a sign of weakness, uh, it actually is a sign, it's a strength. Being able to talk about your feelings, being able to discuss those, being able to work those things out is a strength. It is one less roadblock to being able to work out uh, mental issues. 
but it can be taken advantage of. It can be taken advantage of. So men need to be gentle with their wives' vulnerability. While it is a strength to be sensitive and in touch with your emotions, women are more likely to be deeply hurt by conflict or inconsiderate behavior. While many men can be in a conflict, they can say something uh, really nasty about one of their friends, and then the next day they're hanging out and people don't understand that. While that can happen with many men, it doesn't always, it's not always able to be the same case with women. While you can forgive and forget, often sometimes uh, people who are more emotionally in tune cannot do that. Men have a responsibility to be gentle with their wives, to be kind, to be sensible as they speak to their wives, as the more gentle and emotional spirit. But at the same time, men, you have the responsibility to help your wife be level-headed, to help her be strong mentally. And I'm, I might take a little bit of flack for this, but I'm going to say it. We are still bound to the rules and principles of God, even if it is a special time of the month. We are still bound to the rules and principles. We are still bound to obey God, even if we are hormonal because of pregnancy. Men, you have the responsibility to help your wife maintain a level head. Because while we all may use excuses to why we don't follow God, no excuse will do when we stand before Him in judgment. Man, you can't act flippantly towards your wife and her emotions. As difficult as it may be for some, emotional sensitivity should be the mark of an honorable, should be a mark of an honorable and godly husband. It should be noted here that Peter says, Peter says wives are a weaker vessel. This is, there's not a whole sermon out of this, but I want to note two things out of this. Notice he says weaker. What does that mean? Does it mean that one vessel's strong and one vessel's weak? No. It means that one vessel's weak, and in, an, in, in its own way, one vessel is weaker. Okay? So men, it's not like the, it's not like the Lord saying, men, when I created the vessels, you were the strong ones. You were the ones. No, it's saying, you both are completely and utterly dependent on me. And your wives, in just this way, might need a little bit more help. Both are weak. But also, both are vessels. Both are instruments of good use unto the Lord. And when we lean into our roles... When we accept our roles, and then when we help others in their roles, we are a vessel of good use unto the Lord. There are two characteristics, and I'll run through those really quickly because I didn't think I was going to spend as much time on the first part. Two characteristics of an honorable and godly man, his commitment to biblical equality. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Galatians 3 says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. Now while obviously uh, there were and are each of these, the Bible tells us that we all have equality in Christ. While there will be times and situations where we will all be subservient to someone... We will all and always have to submit to someone. We are all equal in our position in Christ. We are all desperately, desperate, needy sinners. We are all overwhelmingly doomed to hell unless someone intervenes. We are all extremely valued by God, so much so that he sent his son. And that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised us from the dead, we will all be equally redeemed. <clears throat> women and men are fundamentally, physically, fundamentally, spiritually equals. We are heirs in this great eschatological gift, which simply means that we are heirs with the hope in being with Christ forever through Christ. We are equal heirs. 
If we are in Christ, we all share the same destiny. That destiny is to a place, as I see it, where all these roles will be eliminated. And we will worship Christ together forever. One more honorable characteristic of a godly husband, his spiritual headship. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. God is so concerned with the way a husband handles his relationship with his wife that he is willing to cut off the prayer line if the husband doesn't get it. The Lord allows our relationship with him to be interrupted if we are not acting in an appropriate way as it pertains to treating our wives with love and respect and understanding. So that your prayers may not be hindered. No husband should expect a stable and healthy relationship with his wife without prayer. And no husband should expect his prayer to be effective with, without, the, without the stable and healthy relationship with his wife. Without acting in a godly manner towards his wife. When your men, your treatment of your wife greatly impacts your spiritual health. Your treatment of prayer greatly impacts your spiritual health. And while both husband and wife have equal responsibility in growing their marriage, in growing in the faith, I believe that the scriptures teach us that the husband is the conduit of that in the relationship. Not only do scriptures tell us that, but statistics show that. I forgot to put it in my sermon, so I'm going to give you the Bryce version of that. And uh, if, you want to, uh, if you want to look these up, I still have them on my computer, but I'm not going to try to do that right now. Statistically speaking, if only a husband... If a husband and wife are involved in a church together, their children are something like 70 plus percent likely to be involved in church. If only a husband is, it's still like 60 something percent that they're likely to be involved in church. If just a wife is, it goes down to below 50 percent that they're likely to be involved in church. If a child is saved first in the family, it's like a 3% chance that the family is likely to be involved in the church. If a wife is saved first in the family, it's like a 20-something percent chance. I'll give you these statistics later if you want them. If a husband is saved first in the family, it's like 70-plus percent chance that the family will be involved in church, that the family will be redeemed. And this goes throughout multiple areas. They've done this study for church attendance. They've done this study for Sunday school. This was a, that was the Baptist version of this. So like missional community group, like Bible study. They've done this study for the order of salvation in the family. And while the wife is extremely important, invaluable in the marriage, in more ways than we can even describe today, Husbands, you are the conduit of the spiritual health of your family. As leaders, as men, if you want growth in your spiritual family, stop waiting on someone else to do it. Stop waiting on someone else. Stop waiting on me to do it. I've said this before and Blake hates it, but I'm going to say it again. Don't allow me to be a better husband in a spiritual way to your wife than you are. I say it for full effect. Blake hates it, but I say it for full effect. Because I am husbanding all of you in a way. And if, if the only spiritual nourishment your wives are getting is Sunday morning service or missional community where another man leads, there is a problem. And then therefore, someone else is husbanding your wife better than you are. Don't wait on someone else to husband your wife. 
So we commit to personal study and prayer. We honor our marriage and our wife above all things with our effort, with our time, with our money, with our patience, whatever it may be. We budget the personal activities of our lives so that we have time to focus on our wives. We budget our time so that we have time not only to give to our kids because they're going to require a ton of it. Not only to give to our church, not only to give to our friends, but especially to give to our wives. Friends, I want to tell you the husband and wife relationship is just like the relationship that you have with your elders. Similar to. If your el- the church in the pews can be extraordinarily healthy. And if the elders and, and still have unhealthy elders. I'm not saying perfectly healthy, but the church in the pews can be extraordinarily healthy and still have unhealthy elders. In the same way, your relationship can be healthy and have unhealthy headship. But the idea, the the best concept is that the men, in this case, lead their wives. The elders lead the church. So that we do it in a way that honors the Lord. We do it in a way that gives glory to Him. And really makes all of us shine together. We protect our wives with words and consistent godly growth. We attempt every day to dwell on and act upon the way we treated our wife when we were trying to win her. We attempt every day to dwell on and act upon the way we treated our wife when we were trying to win her. Husbands, Don't get married and say game over. Don't get older and and when it's a little harder to do things and say game over. Your wife wasn't just wanting to be wooed when she was young because that was her mentality when she was young. She wants you to pursue her today and tomorrow and forever. And I don't know a greater way to pursue your wife than by pursuing the Lord. If we do that, if we do that, he honors that and he grows that. And while there's a lot of messed up parts of us still, he will grow a regularly healthy relationship that's good for you, it's good for your children, and it's good for those around you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we give you today. We ask that we would all be convicted about our roles in marriage, that we would love each other, that we would submit to each other in the ways that we're called to submit, and that we would follow you most importantly, that we would do it as unto the Lord. Whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, (coughs) we do it as unto the Lord. We love you, we praise you, we give you today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.